<laughs> the great English poet Alexander Pope wrote in his essay on criticism, To err is human, to forgive is divine. And I can relate a lot to the first half of that statement. To err is human. As hard as I try, I still find fault within myself just about every day, if not every hour, if we're being truthful and honest about the human condition, about how it seems like no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we, we read the Scriptures, we pray to God, we, we, we listen to Christian music, it, that, that stuff keeps coming up. We can't quite fully give ourselves over to Christ in the way that He's called on us. But it's that second part of that statement, to forgive is divine. In the past several weeks, I have had a lot of people ask me about forgiveness. And not just people within our congregations, but, but people I work with and friends who have made mention of how hard it is to forgive. About, about how difficult it is to let something like that go. 99% of the stuff that happens to us, we can forgive. I can forgive some name call and I can forgive a fight here and there. But I think each and every one of us have that thing in our life we just can't move past. An event, a person, a, a situation that just seems to cling to us. No matter how hard we try, we just can't forgive that. And I think that's why it's important to remember that forgive, to forgive is divine. Because it requires that divine power for some of this forgiveness to happen. A lot of it's easy enough. All right? there's, there's a lot of people in our life that we forgive easier than others. But some of that stuff in our life that just is a stain on our minds and on our souls that we just can't scrub clean no matter how hard we try, it's going to require a little bit more than our own motivation and our own free will to do so. There have been people in my life who have treated me wrong and it took me a very long time to forgive them. And there's a lot of us probably sitting on things that are decades old, 20, 30 years old, that we just cannot let go and move past. In the book of Colossians, Paul writes about what a Christian life is supposed to look like. Colossians chapter 3. Christian living, about how we are, and we should all know this by now, but we are new beings in Christ. That when we accept the salvation of Jesus, that we become new beings. And obviously that means that we are more than just mortal men and women walking on this earth. That there's a greater calling for each and every one of us. And Paul outlines a lot of those characteristics here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, 
since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or nor, nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So it says here there are certain things that we have to walk away from as Christians and certain things that we have to strive towards. And we know a lot of these things we're supposed to walk away from, right? We, we know them in, in theory. Anger, wrath, greed, covetousness, the, the seven deadly sins, as it were. All of those things, we know they're bad for us. But like all things in life, simply knowing is not enough. Why do you think, and I always go back to fitness, and I always talk about physical health because it's so in such a good metaphor for spiritual health, but... Think about the multi-billion dollar health and fitness industry. Magazines, books, workout gear, when really and truly all you need to do is drink nothing but water and eat fruits and vegetables. And yet, they're able to market it and tell you these new diets, tell you these new workout systems, when all you really need to do is some push-ups and a jog every once in a while. Right? In theory, the spirituality health is just as simple. Stay away from this stuff. And focus on this stuff. Stay away from the sugar and focus on the good nutrients that we need. But the theory is always so much easier than the practice. It's not so easy just to wake up in the morning and say, I'm not going to be angry today. It's not so easy to wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm not going to covet anybody. I'm just going to live and be happy with what I've got. No. But it comes back around to what, what Paul is writing about here, which is that is why we have to remember and remind ourselves every day that we are not here to conform to the world, but to be transformed through the Spirit. Because we look and we read a lot of this stuff and we just throw it away as this impossible thing to do. And we say, oh, that's so far beyond where I am right now. I'm going to shelf it and come back to it later. And I'm going to keep living my life the way I am. And we forget that by ourselves, we as, as human beings, mortals on this earth, as sinners, cannot achieve what Paul is writing about here. By ourselves. Right? We have to call on God and we have to call on His Holy Spirit. And we have to remember each and every day that we can indeed do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we forget that. 
But it says there, it says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge. The old man being, of course, Satan, being, of course, the evil one, the wicked one, and the new man being Christ. He came, Jesus came, to pull us away from the clutches of Satan, and the wickedness, and the sin, and the filth, and the corruption. All of these things. He didn't die on that cross so that we could hold one hand with the devil and one hand with him. That's not how it works. He came here to pull us free of all of that. But he goes on and he says that neither Greek nor Jew, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, Christ is all in all. Because we talk about that and we talk about forgiveness and we talk about loving our neighbors and we try to categorize it and say, okay, these people are worthy of my forgiveness and these people over here, they're strangers, they're foreigners, they're whatever. They're in a different category. Paul reminds the world in almost all of his writings that this is an all in all. This is an all or nothing. This is one body in Christ. There is no division within Christ's love. Every single man, woman, and child is a child of God's and was saved by Jesus Christ. There is no exception. It doesn't matter where they're born. It doesn't matter how they live their life. It doesn't matter what God they pray to. They are children of God. And they are forgiven by Christ. But it says here that we are the elect of God, because again, He did choose us. He made that decision. Christ made that decision. He didn't die on the cross just for the twelve who followed Him, but for the world. To put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. You know, I, I preach a lot on loving our neighbors and moving past the hatred and the fear and all these things that we have towards other people in our lives, in our communities, and in the world. And love is an easy, more or less, concept to, to ponder. But when you factor in that this big word forgiveness is included in that realm of love, it becomes a little harder to, to tackle. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of us, there's someone in our life that we can love, but we can't quite forgive some of this other stuff. They might be family or a close friend, and we can, we can still show them that outward affection, but there's just something there that we just can't let go. And we cling to it. And for a lot of parts, psychologically it makes sense, right? We, we want to be in control of of our situations, our trauma, if you will. Because if, if there is something in our life that we cannot bring ourselves to forgive, it's some form of trauma. It might not be emotional or physical trauma, but it, it, it could be a spiritual trauma in our life. And we want control of that. That's how we feel like we've won. That's how we feel like we're on top. That's how we feel like we are the victor in this conflict that had happened. But we put ourselves in the mindset of, of, of thinking that if we forgive... We lose. That somehow if we forgive, we lose our upper ground, our high ground, so to speak. And we submit. And we throw in the white flag. And we surrender. And for a lot of us, that's the mindset that we have. There's something in my life that I can't forgive. And I'm not gonna because if I do, somehow that makes me the weaker person. Somehow they get to walk away scot-free. 
Because we are so bad about doing that, right? We, we think that what we think about somebody is the only thing keeping them accountable for what happened. That that's the only punishment they had for whatever they did against us was how we feel about them. That that's their punishment. But there's a lot of people out there in the world walking around who someone can't bring themselves to forgive and yet they don't think a second thing of it. They haven't thought about it in years. Sometimes there's people who hold these grudges in their life and the person that they, they cannot bring themselves to forgive has forgotten who they are. Or some of us won't even forgive someone who doesn't know who we are to begin with. Celebrities, politicians, those kinds of things. And they do something evil we think, well, I can't forgive them for that. They don't even know us. And we don't really truthfully know them. And yet we allow that hatred and that anger to to find a little spot in our heart that we set aside just for those kinds of emotions, thinking that we're not supposed to give ourselves fully to Christ. At our Bible study last week, we were talking about forgiveness. And I had made mention that when it comes to forgiveness, we have to put ourselves in the mindset of Christ and what Christ forgave us for. Right? That's the model. It says, as Christ forgave you, so too shall you forgive others. So there we go. We have our model. We have what is an acceptable thing to forgive. These are the things that Christ forgave us for. And so we should, in turn, forgive others for betrayal, name-calling, murder, blasphemy, lies, traitorous actions. The list goes on and on and on. Because when you look at Jesus in his life and what we as human beings did to this man who came to do nothing but bring us God's word and love, there is nothing that any living person can do on this earth that is worse than what happened to Jesus by mankind. And even still happens today. People are still sinning against Jesus today. We're not even talking about the 33 years he was on his earth, earth anymore. We're talking about all those who have denied him, who have blasphemed against him, who have torn him down, who have torn down his children. All of these things. And yet if Christ can move past all of that, everything, and he can hang there on the cross and tell his father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the model of forgiveness that we're striving towards. And it's an impossible model. Because if I was hanging there on the cross, I don't think I could bring myself to forgive any of the people that put me there. But I can't, because I'm a sinner. Because I'm just human. Because I think with this human brain in my mind that, I'll be completely honest, it's not at 100% peak performance. But the great news is, is I don't have to do it by myself. I can call on God for His strength. I can call on the Holy Spirit. I can call on all of these tools that He has given us as believers. Knowing that we can't do it alone. Knowing that we need these things. So how do we bring ourselves to forgive somebody? Right? What are the steps? It's easy for me to stand up here and to read the scripture and to tell you to forgive, but it's a lot harder for you to carry that out. And I think the first step is acceptance. Right? The first part of Alexander Pope's quote, to err is human. And that's why God sent Jesus down to begin with. He realized that they're sinners. I can watch the world over with a flood and they're still going to sin. 
I can bring hellfire down on two cities and they're still going to sin. It doesn't matter what God does, we keep on sinning. But Jesus hung there on the cross after all that we did and He calls out to His Father and He says, Forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's the mindset that we as Christians have to have towards our fellow man. We're sinners. We are going to mess up. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves perfect. And there's nothing we can do to make someone else perfect. And they're going to trip and they're going to stumble and they're going to fall the same way that we will. And the other thing too is part of forgiveness is just accepting the fact that it happened and nothing that we can do, no grudges that we hold, no no hatred we have in our heart is going to undo what happened. So we simply have to accept it. Right? It's like the stages of addiction, recovery. Where the first thing you have to do is accept that there's a problem. You have to have that acceptance. And so to recover from this hatred that we have for other people, we have to just accept the fact that it is what it is. The second thing we have to do is we have to truly surrender to Jesus. We have to give ourselves over to Jesus. I surrender all. That's everything, guys. We can't, we can't give ourselves over to Christ, but then hold this hatred and this grudge and this, this over here, this little dark corner and think that God doesn't see it. We don't get to have this little bank vault in the bottom of our heart where we get to hold on to all this sin and all this hatred and all this corruption and then give the rest of ourselves over to Jesus. And say, yeah, moving forward from here, I'll forgive people and I'll love people, but everything that happened in the past, I'm still going to have all these feelings towards. We have to surrender unto Jesus. The third step is going to be Love. We have to make an effort to love somebody. Even those who have done us wrong. Even those who we have deep-seated hatred towards. Because like Paul writes time and time and time and time and time again, every single one of his letters, he talks about the importance of loving everybody. Not just those who love us back. Because we understand that love comes from God and that we want to truly be children of God and we truly want to be carrying out our purpose on this earth. It is through the love that we have for other people. And so we begin to, we don't have to forgive anybody yet. The forgiveness is that last stage. But we have to accept that they're flawed. We have to surrender ourselves to Jesus and realize He's the power that's going to get us through this. Then we have to start trying to love them. And they don't have to love us back. It's not about how they feel about us. They can hate us and not forgive us and all that. That's on them. We're worried about our eternal souls. We're worried about our relationships with God. Hopefully we can be a model for that person. But this isn't about them anymore. And so we try to love them. And maybe it's just from afar. But we're still working at it every day. Praying for them. That's a good place to start. Even if you hate them with the core of your being, simply praying for somebody starts to kind of give you a little empathy for that person. A little at a time. 
pray every day, pray twice a day. You put their name in your prayer every time you go to God and start really working on this love for them. And then, of course, that final step, that fourth step is that forgiveness. And hopefully, if by this point you have truly given yourself over to Jesus, you've fully relied heavily on the Spirit of the Lord, You've developed this empathy and this love towards them, a real love, the kind of love that is from God, not lust, not like, not not a quick burning passion for somebody that, that can be shriveled up, but that deep, long-seated, everlasting love. That's what we have to focus on. Once you have that in your heart for anybody, that forgiveness is easy. But that love has to come first. We can't forgive people that we hate. That's that's the plain, simple part of it. You've got to get rid of that hatred for you. You can never move into that forgiveness. It's hard. It's a hard, hard thing to do. But it's not as hard as hanging on that cross. It will never be as hard as hanging on that cross. So when we try to bring ourselves to forgive people who've done us wrong, picture Christ. Picture His forgiveness for us. Because I want you to turn now with me to Matthew chapter 6. There's something very important I need all of y'all to understand. Matthew chapter 6. In verse 9, it starts into the Lord's Prayer. We, We all are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But there's a line in there It says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I don't know what your interpretation is, but it's plain and simple. Forgive us and give us the power to forgive others. But in verse 14, this is what I want you to look at. Chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 14, it says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Guys, this isn't Paul writing here. This isn't somebody interpreting what Jesus meant. This is Jesus. These words in red. He knows that He's going to die for the sins of all mankind and He still feels like it is important to say that if you do not forgive men, your Father will not forgive you. That stings. I think it stings a lot for a lot of us in this room. It's a scary thing. But it's the truth. It's the Word. It's beautiful to think about it, though. Because I have done some pretty terrible stuff against God as far as my sin and my thoughts and things that have worked their way into my mind. I have lived life and have done things over the years that is not exactly in line with what He wants for us. And there's people out there, unfortunately, that have had it a lot worse about their relationship with God. And they have done and said some truly atrocious stuff when it comes to their relationship with their Heavenly Father. But to know that what it takes for God to forgive us of everything that we've done is just for us to forgive others. There's so much hope and promise in that. 
there's a whole other sermon inside of the sermon about love, and you could go and read Corinthians over and over and over again to get what I'm about to say here. But that perfect love that Corinthians talks about, we're all familiar with those verses. It has to be that for everybody, even those who have done us wrong, even especially those who have done us wrong. Because I feel like when Christ was hanging on that cross and He was getting ready to die for all of mankind, He was specifically more or less trying to forgive those who are so far beyond God's forgiveness. Right? He's a shepherd. And what does He do for the lost sheep? He'll leave the whole herd to go and search for that one lost sheep. See, He loves all of us, but He cares so much about those who have strayed so far, the ones that we feel like are beyond forgiving. I think all of us have been a little bit guilty of seeing somebody and thinking, how could God love that person? I don't see how I, don't see how I deserve the same kind of love that they do. But that's not the way it works. It's never been the way it works. Not since Christ died on that cross to forgive us of our sins. To err is human, to forgive is divine. And that's why we need the divine strength and spirit of the Lord to do so. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, each and every soul here is a sinner. Lord, each and every one of us have done something wrong. Done something wrong to you and have unfortunately done something wrong to someone else. Because we're human. Because we're sinners. Because we are flawed. But Lord God, you have forgiven us. Lord, you have forgiven us for what we have done. You sent your son Jesus who saw mankind at its most evil and knew that we did not know what we were doing. And ask us to forgive us. Ask you to forgive us anyways. Lord God, so many of us here, we, we have grudges in our hearts. We have hatred. We have, we have distaste and disdain towards another human being that we cling to, that we have not yet been able to let go of. That we can't move past. But Lord God, we just ask that you, you allow your Holy Spirit to descend upon this church and give all of us the strength, the wisdom, and the love to do so. To finally, finally, fully surrender all unto you. To let go of even the most foul hatred, evil things in our hearts. And to fully find peace and love and grace in your name. Lord, we just pray that you forgive us today, tomorrow, and for eternity. That you give us the strength and the love and the mercy to forgive others. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Harridge Sermons. If you feel led to donate to my message or to this show, I ask that you simply donate your time or money to a local food pantry, charity, or mission. And if you ever find yourself in Southwest Arkansas, Feel free to visit. We'd love to have you. You can find us at the Ben Loman Cumberland Presbyterian Church at 10 a.m. or the Brownstown Community Church at 11. Thanks again for tuning in.